Hello, it is Monday, July 6th, time for another edition of the Come On Now MMA podcast. Today, I want to start off with Jorge Masvidal's conversation, I think it was earlier today, with ESPN's Ariel Hawani. A lot of uh, a lot of good things covered in this talk between the two. So let's get right to it. Have some clips from that interview and then my comments. Okay, so obviously this was supposed to be the main event and then you guys were really far apart and they moved on and went with Gilbert. Mm -hmm. When they reached out, were you still very far apart or because yeah. we were on? So how did, how did it get done? How were the, the, the negotiations? We had to break them down. That's why some people don't seem too happy as they were announcing it. You know what I'm saying? They didn't want to talk about it too much. You can see it in their face, a little bit of anger and anguish. But I'm 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 gonna do my job always, which is provide for me and my family. I'm not gonna give a what anybody says, what this guy says, that guy says, I've been in this business a while. I, I know what I generate. We know what we generate. It's, it's a numbers game. The numbers are there. It's not I think I deserve this. No, I see on paper what I bring in. We know me and my team know what I deserve, you know. So when we got undercut and lowballed, all right, cool, no problem. Let's see what happens. You know, I, I told my manager, I told several people, I go, guys are not going to like it. They're me. Watch at the last moment. They're probably going to call me back. And uh, some craziness is going to happen. And I told that the several people that are very, very close to me. And sure enough, bam, it happened. Now, I didn't get exactly what I wanted, but I got very, very close to it. So I'm taking the fight, you know. So mass fit all. Before this clip said that the UFC actually reached out to him to take the fight. He didn't reach out to them. So that's an important thing to note. Um, so when Masvidal didn't get the fight the first time and Burns got it, it was a, an issue of money, which I think we all know by this point. Burns came in with a, a lower number. Masvidal's number wasn't was one the UFC did not want to meet, and then with the fallout, Masvidal ended up getting the fight and increasing his what he was going to get from the UFC. He says here he didn't get what he wanted, but he got close enough to accept the the fight, which is which is fine. But I do believe there was a lot of luck in play here because the UFC did not want to give Masvidal more money, which obviously we know that because they went with Burns. Um, so that the, the risk was that he wasn't going to get anywhere near what he wanted and he was going to have to sit and wait to get another fight. And so I'm happy that things worked out for Masvidal in that respect. But... It was a risk. And it was a calculated risk, but it was a risk nonetheless. And and I think luck played a big part. But sometimes it's good to be lucky. And I want to thank you, Ariel, for not being a company man, for speaking from your heart, from, from, from speaking from not like a, a position of oppression, like a lot of other guys in the UFC horsemen, which I'm not going to mention, I'm on the show making famous, but we know who these company guys are that after they're done fighting, they're going to just work for the UFC. 
So they always opinionate towards the UFC or guys that used to fight in the UFC and just their opinions are always to protect the UFC and, and trying to make fighters like me and myself, because I'm not the only one doing this or going through this. Like we're lunatics, like we're crazy, you know, because it, it's just, I'm, I'm not asking for, for them to pay me something outrageous. No, I'm asking to just give me more money of what I do bring in off the pay-per-view side. And that's what we were fighting for. And we came to a pretty good deal. So I'm happy right now. You know, I'm not complaining about the current deal, but the initial deal with Gilbert Burns, I mean, with, with, uh, what's his face's name was a deal on on the pay-per-view end and on the guarantee side. So I have two negatives. I could understand you don't want to give me that much in the guarantee, but on the pay-per-view, what I bring in, what, what people purchase, I want more money of that. And they weren't budgeting with that. Neither was I, you know, so all this craziness had to happen for them to come to their senses. Well, to start, I think we know who, uh, Masvidal is referring to as the company man and that is Daniel Cormier and I think this brings up brings things around on Corm- what the point Cormier was trying to make and what he was criticizing Masvidal for in the past was that Masvidal was trying according to Cormier at least was trying to negotiate in public with the UFC and Cormier had a problem with that said you know, negotiate in private. And from, well, we didn't hear about the negotiations for Masvidal to replace Burns. So obviously Masvidal and his team tried to negotiate in private the first time, which is what I said. I mean, there's no way what these guys know, Masvidal and his managers, what what they know about the UFC is that you don't negotiate in public from the, from the start. You tried to do things in private and if they don't work well then you start talking to the media which is from judging from the conversation here is exactly what happened and that's what anybody looking at this with kind of a sensible take on it would have seen from the get-go so I think that was just Cormier trying to pile on a little bit maybe on Masvidal or maybe some, maybe he, maybe he actually did believe that that the negotiations took place from the get-go in public. But I don't, I don't think that was to, was true. The second thing here is that I don't know what fight Masvidal's talking about, where he didn't have a good deal with the guarantee and the pay-per-view. I'm gonna assume it's the Diaz fight. I might be wrong, but coming out of that fight and how how popular that card was and how it moved a bit to uh, create massive it all turn him even into more of a star so the timing couldn't have been better for him to try and up his pay in that respect but Masvidal also says in this interview that in order for him to get the deal that he got for the Usman fight, he had to take a another longer deal. And that's what's coming up next here. Did you agree to just a one fight situation, a one fight deal, or do you have a whole new contract with the UFC now? You know how it is, bro. You want to get paid, you got to sign a 10 fight contract every time, man. And so with that, yeah, the shoe drops. 
So we find out that, yeah, Masvidal got closer to what he wanted. But then the UFC has tied him up for even longer. Which is depressing to hear, but not in the least bit surprising. So this puts Masvidal in a bad spot. Because a 10-fight deal is a 10-fight deal. And if the numbers escalate, if Masvidal gets one of those deals that's just guaranteed money and no show and win, which is what he should get and what every fighter should get, but does that make him more susceptible to be get, to getting released by the UFC? So what I'm what what I'm saying is, Masvidal. Loses to Usman, for example. And then the UFC gives him another tough fight. Because don't think the UFC is going to give him any fights that are going to be easy from this point on. Now that he's kind of been difficult with them. So, Jorge Masvidal's... As hard as Jorge Masvidal's road to UFC 251 has been. It's about to get a harder, if possible, after UFC 251. So say he loses to Usman, and then he loses to whoever he fights next. And I'm just using this as an example. Don't don't portray this as hating on Jorge Masvidal. But if he loses two in a row and he has this long deal and it's 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 a lucrative deal, what's what's preventing the UFC from cutting him loose? And then, you know, trying to resign him at a lower rate if he doesn't work out as a free agent with, with another, with another uh, promotion. Nothing. So, a risky proposition here. The first thing was risky when he sat out and, and held out over the, over the, the first time for Usman. It, it's gotten a little riskier now. But if he wins and keeps winning, Jorge Masvidal could uh, could be making the kind of money that few UFC fighters make or have made. So it's an interesting interesting time for Jorge Masvidal in the UFC, and it really bears watching going forward. Um, since agreeing to the deal, have you talked to Dana? Have you tried to clear the air or has he tried to clear? I don't talk to Dana. My management talks to Dana. I don't have nothing personal against Dana, but that's not my job. I, I pay my management lots of money to handle these things. Lots of money. And they know it. And so I don't I don't feel I should be doing that. that's not my job. I talk to my management every day, but I don't need to talk to to, to nobody over this. It's pointless for me. I don't I don't need to be your friend or your enemy. All you need to do is pick up the phone call my management calls and that's it. Get the deal done. I don't need to talk to nobody like that. That is, I think, the most important part of the interview in my mind. If if UFC fighters, if you have managers and handlers, let them that you trust, and you should, and if you don't trust a manager or your handler, then cut them out because why are you paying them if you don't trust them? But this is the most important thing if, if, if you do have folks you trust. There's no reason for you to speak to anyone 
with the UFC. No one. No reason. That's why you have the managers. That's why you have agents. That's why you pay people to, to, to do this. Let them strike the deal. And if the deal's not to your liking, make them go back and try and get a better deal. And if it still doesn't meet your liking, maybe reconsider who your managers are. But yeah, there's no reason for a fighter to talk to Dana White unless they represent themselves. Because there's no union here and White can promise a fighter the world and then come back with a contract that has all kinds of tricky wording in in in, in it and things can get lost. Things can get misrepresented and as a fighter, you don't need to you shouldn't need to worry about those things. You shouldn't need to do anything but trust your manager to get you the best deal possible. Odds are the best deal possible it still aren't going to be great because of the revenue split, but your fighter fighters and managers and the UFC know now that we all know the the split, so the fighters and managers at least have a little negotiating power. So, yeah. Listen to Jorge Masvidal here. If you pay your managers, they're the guys or gals that should speak to the UFC when it comes to contract negotiations, not the fighter themselves. Uh, is it true that you are not flying on the charter plane to Abu Dhabi? That you're not going? Yet. That is true. I'm not flying on the charter plane to Abu Dhabi. Why not? Uh, a couple reasons. You know, it's uh. It's against um, policy, I think, to have a wild animal like myself <laughs> in a situation that could endanger the lives of others. You know what I'm saying? It, not, let me not say others. Of this one idiot only, you know? That's the last thing I have from the inter interview that Helwani did with Massive at all. And I just wanted to include it because, it, it, I don't know, it just made me laugh. I found it funny with the... Uh, the wild animal comment made me laugh. It was pretty quick, pretty quick off the cuff comment from Masvid. All that I appreciated. So, felt like I had to include it. Well, we have a we have a come on now for today, and it is compliments of Stephen A. Smith. So here's the clip. Wait a minute, though. You said something about twenty pounds on six days notice. What are you talking about? Gaining, losing twenty pounds in six days? Is that what you just said? Yeah. So when I got, so when we finally made you it, you got to lose twenty pounds in six days. I, I don't know what to say other than, come on now. Stephen A. Smith should at least do the minimum research on this fight and know what weight it's being contested at, and who's fighting and a little background this was just silly um, and I know Smith does a lot of work with a lot of sports but this one wasn't something that that, that he shouldn't have not known 
was a little silly. This one was a little silly. And just showed that, I mean, Stephen A. Smith does as little research, I think, as he can. And then just comes on and yells about shit. Not a fan. Not a fan of Stephen A. Smith. And this is the reason why. I'm starting to wonder if fighters are starting to subtle troll Dana White. So a few weeks ago, White shit all over Curtis Blades because he said that Blades had talked a bunch of crap and then did not deliver in his fight against Alexander Volkov, the fight where he took Volkov down 14 times on 25 attempts. The fight where Blades said he was going to ragdoll him and wrestle him and win, which is exactly what he did. Yeah, that fight. So shortly after that, Daniel Cormier made a comment that he was going to, I don't know if he actually said ragdoll, but he said that, I think he said that he hoped Stipe had his wrestling shoes because he was going to, you know, single-leg Stipe all night or something to that effect, which was comment the comment was made shortly after white made his uh, wrong-headed comments about blades and then i think today usman said he was going to ragdoll masvidal so i don't know if these things are related i'd like to think they are i'd like to think that the fighters are just kind of throwing it back in dana white's face and saying saying these things just to get a little dig, a little under his skin, and kind of dare him to to shit on a champion and a former two-division champion. So, I might be wrong. I'm probably wrong. But I like to think that I'm right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to believe that I'm right on this one. I don't know why this didn't dawn on me until right now, but it, but it just dawned on me reading this story on MMA Junkie where Gilbert Burns speaking about his positive COVID-19 test. So Burns says here that he was in Las Vegas and got word that he had tested positive for COVID-19. And, and here's what he, what he says. So he tested positive and then they, he was waiting for the second test. And, and here's the quote. Later, the second test came and confirmed I had tested positive And at the same time, Coach Jones gets his results test positive too. So me, Wagner Rocha... And Coach Jones tested positive. My brother, who was in the middle of us on the plane to Vegas, tested neg negative. So, because fly people who have uh, have tested positive for COVID nineteen not allowed to fly, Burns and his team drove back to Florida, which is fine. But I think that's just I think it dawned on me with with the part here where the flight. To Vegas is what, what just the light bulb just went off. I'm slow sometimes. Forgive me. So this means that 
Gilbert Burns, Wagner Rocha, and his other coach all flew from Florida to Vegas, tested positive for COVID-19, and then drove back. I'm going to assume they flew from Florida to Vegas on a commercial flight, which means there's a good chance that three people on that flight, Burns, Rocha, and Jones, were positive for COVID-19 when they when they made that flight. So it is imperative that the UFC does contact tracing if this is true and and lets that airline know that three people on the flight could have had, and most likely did, have COVID-19. And again, this is the part of the UFC's testing protocol that is lacking. There's no contact tracing that I know of. And if there is, the UFC has not admitted it or, or owned up to it. So this is a problem, a big problem. Uh, the testing needs to get done before these folks leave their home. And I don't know why that didn't register with me, but yeah. And if they're not going to get tested before they leave their home and they're going to go to on a commercial flight to Vegas before they get on a chartered flight to Fight Island, well, then contact tracing is 100% needed. Otherwise, you 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 could be the UFC its fighters could be responsible for spreading COVID-19. That's dangerous. And irresponsible. So hopefully we'll hear something about contact tracing. I think that's going to do it for tonight. One thing before I go. Um, I, I looked at some numbers that Ariel Hawani's interview with Us uh, with a uh, Masvidal had over was closing in on seven hundred thousand views, and I think it was from today, and that I think answers my question of why I looked at that number. It was to, to see how much juice Masvidal has heading into this fight, and if if he is going, if he's the the A lister that. A lot of people seem to think he is and how much weight he's going to carry into this event and how much he's going to help the pay-per-view vice. I'm sort of isolated these days because I'm a freelancer and I don't really have a lot of contact with, with many folks. Um, so I, I, I just kind of thought, you know, Masvidal in the bubble, in the MMA bubble, huge, huge, huge deal. Outside, my thought was, well, not so much. But I, I think I'm wrong on this one. Um, Jorge Masvidal seems to be kind of a big deal. So good for him. Hopefully that contract uh, gives him a fair chance to pick up some pay-per-view points. Because judging from uh, just that interview, he's got a He's got an opportunity to, to do just that when he when he headlines UFC 251 on Saturday. Now, I will be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.